Hey, what's up? This is Johnny McBee, and you're listening to the Burn This World podcast. All right, we are here with Danny from Everyone Dies in Utah. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Perfect. And my wife was asking if you guys were actually from Utah, but you're not. No, uh, Texas born and raised. I was like, I was born in Dallas, but I was raised in Temple, Texas. And, uh, I never had gone into Utah until, uh, you know, I started touring with the band. <laughs> right. And so is, is everyone from Texas then? Yep. Oh, yeah. Cool. So then we have to get in. I, it usually takes a while to get into band names, but on this one, we'll get straight into it. What's, what's up with the name? So, um, when we were first getting started, <clears throat> We uh, we needed a band name because uh, one of the guys had uh, booked a show and we actually didn't even have a band name at the time. <laughs> uh, we had a few songs, but nothing like we were like, let's worry about the music, then we'll do the band name when we need it. And so uh, we're, you know, we were kind of on the spot. We we're like, oh, what are we going to do? And so we started looking through a history textbook and uh, someone saw that Utah had the highest death rate in America at whatever point this book was made okay and they were just like man everyone dies in utah and we're like hey well why don't we just call ourselves that and i was <laughs> like that kind of sucks but you know we can just give we'll give them that for now and then we'll change the band name later <laughs> and you know 12 years later we're still everyone dies in utah hey i 100 understand that um but i mean <laughs> once you say that though it, it's not really a bad name uh yeah like once there's a, once there's the meaning now i don't really have an excuse for my band name but at least <laughs> at least you guys have something behind it um yeah and so so you well, guys actually also uh i also learned later on that uh deer and pearl harbor there's a ss utah that I'm pretty sure I don't, I don't know if everyone died, but like a good amount of people died on that ship. So look at it that. Still holds true. So like <laughs> you're bringing it to fruition at least. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, that's pretty interesting. You guys were, um, I mean, how old were you guys whenever you started, you know, booking these shows and stuff? So we actually played, uh, our first show the day of my graduate or like the weekend after uh, I graduated high school. Okay. But we started, we started um, like mid year of my senior year in high school. Okay. And so you, like 17, so you've been 18. doing uh, just this band pretty much your whole adult life then. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty sick. And I mean, that's my same experience too. I've been, uh, you know, just doing it the whole time. And as, and, is everyone original or have you had a good amount no, of switches? Actually, I'm actually the last uh, original member. Hey, sticking it out. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, but like, it was like, it was kind of my passion project, you know, like I, of course, I mean, a lot of the friends that like started it, you know, we all liked what we were doing, but like, I think for me, it was a little bit more uh, yeah. than just like, you know, playing shows and I don't know. There, there was something more to it for me. And I think that's why like it always, it's always kind of been like my baby. And so I always like, you know, took care of it and found new members and kept it going. Well, I mean, it's, it's hard, especially being that young, uh, starting to do this stuff and the early stages of a band 
are pretty freaking rough. And so to, <laughs> to get people committed that whole time is, is near impossible. I feel like it only happens if you have like immediate, immediate success, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's also like, it's, it's hard to tell like how serious someone is when they say, Oh, Hey, let's start a band, you know? Cause like most people would like, they're like, Oh yeah, let's do it. We'll play like, you know, some weekend gigs and cover some songs. But like, People don't sometimes understand, like, let's start a band. Right. Like, let's do something. They're like, but, but my parents are telling me I need to go to college. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's, it's, it's a different, what do they say? Different strokes for different folks. It's, it's a totally different thing. And for some people, yeah. they really have that, um, the drive to really go deep in it. And so, um, I think that it's, it it all bands need like that um one person that really is kind of driving force behind it and so um i don't know if if some if everyone loses the passion then it definitely dies but at least you've kept yeah. it going and so it's like um whenever you guys very first started and you started doing some random shows and then like what was your first step that you took towards hey let's actually like do some tours like were you guys picking up in the local scene or did you just go straight for it yeah i mean like uh, texas is so big so like you know it's you can we can literally just do like a week of texas shows and it's like a tour so i mean we were getting bigger in like dallas san antonio austin and uh you know kind of houston like you know when we first started and we started during the myspace days so yeah. like which to me, like, I don't know what it was about that time, but, and it might be like how, you know, because of the algorithms, how they are nowadays compared to what they used to be. But like back then, like we had so much momentum that we were just like, you know, it, it just made sense to take that step into like doing tours. And we just started playing outside of our, you know, you know, we started going out to Oklahoma and Louisiana and just slowly going further and further. And so until we were just like, all right, we should get a good working van that can get us, <laughs> you know, a few shows, yeah. like, you know, a couple week tours and stuff like that. That's like the, the number one struggle for all bands back then, especially. <laughs> Is yeah, oh, yeah. A lot of bands now rent, like I still rent uh, whenever we travel. But back then it was like, you have to buy a $1,500 van, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. all anyone could afford. But yeah, I mean, like, I mean, how many vans did you guys go through back in the day? Oh, let's see. So we had a, com a conversion van. Oh, that that's what we started into. And then we got a 15 passenger after that. And then we got that one died on a tour. And then we got another one. Uh, man, I think we've gone through like four or five vans. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we finally made the, we finally made the move to a bus, like a old church bus. Oh, dang. Which is like life changing. Like it, <laughs> it's, it's a game changer. Did it actually work out for you guys going to a bus? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, like, it, it. We didn't pay too much for it, and it was pretty, pretty like well kept and maintained. And so, like, the whole back end of it, like, we built bunks. And yeah, we all have our own beds, which is like way different than a oh, yeah. passenger van where you, you know, like, pack like sardines. Um, 
but that's that's a yeah, risky it's, move it's though it's worked. it's hard yeah. with that i mean every time i see a band roll up with a with an old church bus i'm like okay i'm gonna miss you on like a week of these dates yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's uh it, that's a risky business have you had any situations in the bus that you've had a breakdown and haven't had anyone to f- work on it or anything like no, I mean, uh, we haven't, I mean, fortunately, I mean, knock on wood, like we haven't had any, like, yeah, you know, any, any problems, um, nothing that was like bad enough to where we couldn't like get it fixed immediately. Yeah. Well, that's, that's yeah. nice. And so it's basically one, is it like one of the, the forward front ends with basically a bus put on the back end? Yeah. Yep, yeah. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. At least it's easier to work on if it's not one of the like ones you have to go to like a diesel place to get it worked on. So, yeah. Well, that's well, nice. And, and it, it is diesel, but like it, it has like that front end that just looks, it's like the Ford 15 passengers. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure like the, all the maintenance part of it is basically the same. Yeah. So. Well, that's what saved you is if it's diesel. Like that's why it's yeah. running still. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's, nice. that's the one thing that we're like. If we're gonna do it, we sh- we definitely need a diesel. Yeah, that's that's the smart one. See, everyone gets these uh, church vans with regular gas that have four hundred thousand miles, and then they're just yep. screwed. That, oh, that's yeah. nice. That worked out for you guys, because yeah, having having your own spot to lay down is hundred percent definitely a game changer. It's uh, oh yeah, touring's brutal, and yeah, because I mean, you spend so much time with these people, and it's like. As much as you love the like the people that you're touring with, like you definitely need your own space and you need your own t- like you need to stretch out too. Like I mean, like playing an entire show and like jumping around acting crazy. I'm 30 now. Like it's it's you know like I can't just like recover immediately. I need like memory foam <laughs> and I need yeah, blackout curtains. Like I need like beauty sleep now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And so with um with you being the 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 dude of the band for you know 12 years um having probably a pretty good amount of member changes just uh have you oh yeah I'm, yeah i honestly couldn't even tell you how many member changes we've had i, I've, just, I just said that the other day <laughs> i was like i i don't even know i, I don't think i could count because like you kind of get someone for one tour and someone else for the yeah. next it just kind of got to do what you can yeah for sure like and especially like there was like some just some stuff just didn't work like with some people just didn't work out and you know like we just had a i don't know like i at no point i was i never lost members and i was like well this is it you know like yeah it's always like there's somebody else like somebody else has a passion for this there's gonna be someone else like to keep it going so yeah definitely so with with so many uh member changes and everything that you've had cuz I've I've had the exact same thing you get you you know that one person's going to be stopping or can't do the next tour so you get a, another random guitar player maybe he's from another band or something else that you've toured with have you had one uh lineup like what was the longest stint of the same lineup that you've had over the 12 years Um I'm trying to think I mean the we did two albums. Well, actually, no, even the, those two albums, we had different members. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, I think maybe about two years. Yeah. Um, well, I guess technically, like, we got a whole set of new members at the very, like, right before the pandemic started. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, these guys, we've been, we've, like, since, and it's funny, it's like January uh, 2020 is when we got 
uh, two new guitar players. And that's who we wrote uh, our last two EPs with. Um, and it, it's weird. It feels like it's a shorter time because we haven't like played shows or anything. But like they've been in it for two years now. And I, maybe there was some that were longer, but like it just so many changes. Like I honestly can't even keep up with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's uh, it as has the band because I've, I've listened to all the stuff. And I mean, we were the the browning and every time i die in utah or everyone dies in utah very yeah. similar sound especially back in like the 2011 era oh like, yeah like heavy synth and yeah breakdown. i'm very yeah. very surprised that we've never toured together like yeah th- really. uh, there's a few bands that i'm like what i, I don't know i don't <laughs> understand how like something hasn't happened yet right yeah and so it, it's not too late it's not too late <laughs> no it's not and it's just <laughs> it's one of those things that um i feel like there's there was like random opportunities over the years like where you know you guys were on the package that we were con- contemplating doing or something like that but sometimes just it doesn't link up especially with how much touring uh bands used to do like we used to be doing like 250 shows a, a year it was non-stop Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, when early, earlier days, like we definitely had like, I, I just you know consecutive. I, I don't even like there's there was a couple years where I, like I don't remember being home at all. Yeah, definitely. And and that's a that is one of the big things that really gets um, people in the early days of of touring, and it's hard to find the bands that can stand through that time. Um, but again, if there's if there's one member that's holding it all together, then it helps. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it it does get to a point where it's a little weird even being home now since since the pandemic, like being home yeah. for Christmas or or thanksgiving like stuff like that especially thanksgiving i felt like i never was at home for thanksgiving like ever yeah yeah there was a few thanksgiving that we you know spent at like our our managers or like some (laughs) random right place and so uh with with touring and starting out and doing everything like that what was uh what was one of the memorable tours early on that actually gave you that inspiration to to drive you to be like, okay, I do want to do this for the next twelve years of my life? Like early on, it was was there a single singular tour or moment that you were like, yeah, this is the one that motivated me? Um, I want to say it was probably the tour we did uh, with Greeley Estates. Oh dang! Yeah, uh, it was. It was Greeley. It was the plot and you. Um. Oh man, there's two more bands that I can't remember their names. Um, but I mean, touring around with Greeley, like they were like super cool dudes, and like that tour was pretty pretty long. Um, but it was just like I don't know, and and that I think that was like our second tour, maybe, and it was probably the like the more like cross country tour that we've done. Yeah, and getting to see the country like get getting to meet all these different people and playing these shows and like all these different places it just like i don't know there's nothing like it like it, it's funny because i had a band uh stay with me over or like a week ago because their van broke down and it's like they went home and they're like man this is they were like this is cool but like i want to go on tour already like they, they were like we had the worst time like we had you know vehicle stuff breaking down, like, which is what happened with us on that same, you know, we've had stuff break down. 
we get back going. Like, there's good days, there's bad days, but for some reason, there's something about it that, like, as soon as you get back home, you're like, I want to go back out. I would, like, coming back to the real world just, like, doesn't feel the same after, like, touring for such a long time. Yeah, and so um, outside of touring, uh, what do you do for work? Uh, I do graphic design. Okay, so you're you're yeah. full-time creative. Yeah. And so, I, I yeah. think that's super important for musicians and just anyone. And, and obviously some people might not have that creative aspect, but mm-hmm. if you're a musician and you want to live a creative life, there's so many ways to monetize it. And um, yeah, did you, I don't mean, I, I didn't get into graphic design and like I started doing graphic design because we needed like a logo. We needed exactly. a t-shirt. We need, you know, like, and <laughs> that so was about to be my next question. Me, yeah. It led me into a career of graphic design mm-hmm. and now I found a job that, you know, I work remote. So like, like I, right before the uh, pandemic, we had like maybe two tours that I was able to do just on the road. Like, and it was like perfectly fine. Cause you know, I got mobile hotspots. So as long as I have Wi-Fi and, the only hard part was that, like with the job that I work for, um, we start working at eight central time. And so no matter where we went, I had to just like keep track of like oh, yeah, um, definitely. the time. And I was like, I would have to make sure like, hey, let me know if we're going to drive through any time changes or anything like that. Just so I know to set my alarm to a specific time right. um, just so I can wake up at, you know, when I need to for work. Yeah. And I mean, it's, uh, it's awesome. Cause that's what I was going to ask. I was like, did you learn it from doing DIY band stuff forever? Cause like, I, I feel like right now I could be a graphic artist with just how many flyers I've made t-shirt designs for the band, yeah. like all this crap. It's so you've, you guys have always been very much like DIY on a lot of the stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't, it's weird because like, and it could be just like something that, you know, because we didn't have a lot of money starting, we we're just like, all right, I'll do it. Exactly. Or, you know, like, it, and honestly, I think that's, that's all it was like graphic designers are, exp- I know from, from experience, graphic designers are, exp- are expensive. Yep. So, you know, picking up a trade like that, you know, definitely helps out a start, a starting band. Yeah. Um, and I still do, I still do like 90, 80% of all the graphic design stuff that we have that we put out. So, right. Yeah. And it is like, um, especially starting out, man. And I always felt bad cause I don't want to like, you know, uh, lowball an artist, but I'm like, yo, yeah. I need five designs for this tour and I don't have $500. So yeah. <laughs> like that's even a hundred dollars a design is kind of, you know, really skimping yeah, I mean, out, it but it, it gets up there. But like, what can you do when you're a band touring full time, making not enough money to pay for gas even to like, how do you come yeah. up with the money for it? So yeah, a lot of times it was, you know, making designs myself or having a friend do it. And it's, uh, so definitely. And, and that's one thing I really love about, um, music in general and being a touring band, a lot of it, especially early on is so DIY that you really pick up a lot of skills. I would absolutely not be the same person, be able to manage myself under stressful situations if, or all, all this time management, all this kind of crap. I picked all of it up from touring. Uh, definitely a, a lot of problem solving. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, we program our own light show. I did too. Which is just like the most <laughs> random thing that like, you yeah. know, ra- like random skill, but like, I also did like, uh, so in high school I did musical theater uh-huh. and 
and building sets and like acting and all that stuff. So like all of that stuff, like I brought to the band. Yeah. And so, well, and you can transfer it. Yeah. stuff definitely helps. Yeah. And you can transfer it to real world, like real world jobs, like over the course of the, you know, 10, 12 years, whatever I've been like, okay, what kind of real world jobs can I, can I transfer my skills to? So I've thought about, uh, like travel agents, like I thought yeah. about all this stuff, like just be, uh, bands would be great movers. Uh, oh like, yeah. <laughs> pack up some, you know, like pack up someone's house and then like take exactly. it across country. Like perfect. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's, that's funny. You say you programmed your own light show. Cause I did too. I did a bunch of Twitch streams programming the Browning lights for whenever yeah. I bought a big, big rig. And everyone's like, why are you doing this? I'm like, well, why would I have someone else do it? Yeah, if you can figure it out, then like the most expensive part of all of it is getting the lights. Yeah, and then also, um, I think that I think there's a lot more of a personal touch when someone in the band is involved with the what's being created. So whether it's yeah, for sure. a shirt or the light, no one's gonna care about syncing your music to your lights that much besides you. So yeah, like <laughs> they're they're not gonna get the like tiny little details that you want or like a specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, shade or color that you want for like a song so it fits the vibe of that exactly. particular song. Yeah, so it's overall just the it's really important for artists to to do this stuff. So if you're a band out there that's wanting to get into this stuff, like really try to learn all these skills because they, they transfer in so many ways. And I've even helped other yeah. bands program their lights now. I just did it myself yeah. for my own band. And now I have other people hitting me up for it. So it's like you can really transfer this stuff in so many ways. And there's so many routes to make money in, in the music industry like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, we toured with, um, Sky's airplane once and their guitar player, uh, Lee duck, he programmed their light show. And now he has his own company doing, uh, programming lights for like massive artists. Like I'm pretty sure he did something for like Justin Timberlake or something like that. Like, Look just, at that. like a lot of like massive mainstream artists. See. And I mean, even our old, uh, old merch guy frank he he managed all the merch for disney on ice like he went from managing bands yeah merch to then doing disney on ice merch so it's like it really it really can transfer and so it's good to hear that you you used your creativity from the band as a high schooler to now having a full-time graphic design job you know, yep. that's, that's sick. And that's what I love so much about the DIY, like smaller metal scene. It, it really is something you could do forever. And it gives you this creative motivation because if you blew up immediately, like whenever you yeah. were, when you started, you would never done the graphic design yourself. Definitely You'd, not. Yeah, so. I mean, there, there would be no reason for me to do any of that stuff if like we just immediately were handed everything. Exactly. So it's like you're, you, you would be lacking a skill and probably a lot yeah. of, uh, um, I don't know. I feel like I learned a lot of street awareness, like, and oh, just yeah. life awareness touring the way we did. If you were just in a bus forever and had a tour manager handling everything, you wouldn't learn this stuff. And so, um, I think that, I think there's a lot of similarities between your, your experience and my experience in this industry. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, definitely see that. and one thing, um, like I'm curious about, cause I've always seen, uh, your your band always like this whole time. I've always been aware we were very much so in the same MySpace era of right in that same the same genre, same era, same everything. Um, yeah. 
and like just to talk about it like what do you think it is because you guys have had you've had really good success in the sense of like successfully touring you know you have good uh online following all this stuff but what do you think it is that didn't give you guys the the big break because i think about it all the time with the browning i listen to like the old browning stuff now and back then I was like, man, we could really break. But now I listen to him like, I understand why we didn't, you know? And yeah. so, oh yeah, for sure. Like you guys have success in the sense of being a successful band, but not the huge break. And so what do you think it is about the, about the band that didn't give it that opportunity? I think, so we did our first two, we did our first three um, albums with uh, Tragic Hero Records yeah and uh we had the our first two albums were done really really well like we went to really good producers um and they kind of like took care of us more on that end for those two albums and then um in between album two and three like we lost half of our band yeah and uh we were just about to go on the screen the prayer tour and um when, so all my all my uh, focus was on finding members that could play the songs that were on the first two album uh, so that we can do this tour because it was a massive massive tour yeah um, and so I we you know spent all the time finding the members and then we also had a practice to get ready for the show um, and then tragic hero was like after this we need you guys to go straight into the studio and so that like kind of I, I don't want to put the blame on a single album, but I know for a fact that like, because of that album, like it kind of snowballed into like, um, you know, it kind of turned people away, I think for a little bit. And so we've al almost like been trying to crawl out of this hole that uh, is called neutral ground. Um, you think that the style of the album or the quality or that it was I rushed think the quality, like they, they made us go to this studio that they bought and don't get me wrong. This guy, he worked with a lot of good artists, but none of them were our genre. And, uh, so the, we, we did the, we did the album, we recorded everything and we did what we could. So we went in there, uh, with just us meeting a month before a tour and then the tour itself was like three to four weeks long. And then when we get to the studio, we have nothing written. We've never written together. Right. Um, you know, so we don't have we don't have any ideas of what we're going to do. They give us. I want to say a little bit less than a month to write and track everything and just like be good with it. You know, like, I mean, so, you know, some sometimes an album could get written really quickly and it's fine. But like when you haven't written with like a, when you don't have like a chemistry with the people that you're writing with, I feel like it's almost like setting you up for failure. Yeah. I mean, that, so, from a label perspective, ahead. I think that that's so silly to do. Just like that's why with my with my current label, I made it straight up like I'm going to have zero time constraints on what I'm trying yeah. to do. Even now they like I'm about to be doing a remix album and they're saying, yeah. so when do you think it's going to be done? I didn't even respond because I'm like, I'm not going to even yeah. tell you. It's, it, it's hard. To, it's like art. You can't force it. Like, I mean, you can't like sometimes we I mean, like, honestly, I think our best 
uh, music that we've done was uh, our Infra EP, which we did. We did do it in like maybe a little bit over a month, but like we weren't pushed or forced into doing it. It was just like we came out naturally just came out naturally and we had already written other songs with these members. So it's like, we had chemistry. We knew what the direction we wanted to go. You know, we all had like an idea of what we wanted to do, but for neutral ground, we kind of were just like thrown into the studio with a producer that has no idea what the genre is about. And so like we get the final mixes and we're like, wait, this is the final, like, this is the product. And, uh, (laughs) We were like, this sounds like shit. Like, yeah. They're like, well, we have to put it out. We spent all this money on it, and we were just like, I mean, we we didn't really have a choice in it because I mean, it's technically their album. Like, they fronted the money for it, and it just, right. you know. And so when it came out, everyone was like, this is fucking terrible. Um, you know, where you know what is this shit? Like, like it just was like. Bad comment after bad comment after bad comment. And, like, I feel like it turned a lot of people away because on top of that, like, how do we just, like, turn around and just, like, write something new, you know? Like, we... Right. It's like we didn't have... Uh, and then, of course, after that, Tragic Hero was like, all right, this is the last album we're doing with you guys. What? It's like, oh, yeah, gee, I uh, guess... Well, I wonder why. Like, <laughs> tell me that last album didn't do well? You know, like... Yeah. Well, that sucks. Like, I mean, especially they should have understood the fact that... Hey, these guys just learned the songs for this tour. Like, were yeah. like maybe they didn't even play in a band like this before. Maybe they've never written in a band like this before. Um, yeah. That you know that does kind of suck. And as, so you're the vocalist, but do you play any instruments or write any of the instruments at all? Um, so on the first album, I I wrote a lot of the synth parts for that. Yeah. Um, when I when we first started, I was like the main synth player and vocalist, and then we got a synth player. Um right before we went into the studio for seeing clearly. And then, uh, he continued, uh, you know, for a few years after that. And then, um, but I mean, like I have like our keyboard, we don't have the keyboard player with us anymore, Yeah. but, um, I'm going to start picking up uh synth again yeah. um, for some of the parts. Definitely. But yeah. Yeah. I feel like the only thing that saved the Browning in the sense of member changes is that I do write all the music as well. I can't imagine, with having that many member changes with having to have those people write of the same style. So yeah. have you had it to where like each member change creates like a totally different sound or has it stayed the same throughout pretty much? I think, um, I think there's definitely like a, a change. Um, but from like after neutral ground, we kind of all like had a standard and we were just okay. like, all right, not going to, not going to terrible studios. And then also making sure that like, you know, we come in with a plan if we do go to a studio and like, we got to make sure that it's like solid. And then, um, just like, we feel like EDIU has a sound, but at the same time, like, I don't want to like, uh, you know, you know, put us in a wall or in in a box and be like, this is what we have to write. Um, so like, I, I definitely like when, um, you know, when we would get member changes, I did like, when they brought their own uh, flair to everything. Because I think the one consistent thing throughout all these albums is my voice. Like my voice is in everything. So like, if anything, at least that's going to tie up, tie together the sound, um, you know, in the end, but like, and you know, and so 
even after like uh, polarities, like I, I wasn't the singing vocalist until our third album, uh, which was like the worst timing for me ever. Cause like <laughs> I did choir in high school, but I wasn't a, a, a rock and roll vocalist at right. the time, you know, like I didn't, I was just doing screaming vocals. And so I had to like, I had to pick up singing and screaming. And so like writing singing parts wasn't my forte. Yeah. And I I think I've obviously progressed since then. Um, and I've gotten, you know, better and better, but like, um, you know, I, I don't know. I like, I, I definitely have never liked the idea of just like writing one particular style. For sure. Um, so people don't realize think, how difficult it is to, to me, I, I can scream all day with the most grit possible, but when it gets yeah. to adding grit to a, a clean singing note, it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's something you have to get a lot of practice on. And it's, um, even still, I'm, I've gotten pretty decent at it, but if I try to do like a, like a whole Metallica song or something where he's like really yeah. getting it, dude, I start like coughing. It's, it's, yeah. it tickles my throat. I can't do it like that. It's, yeah, it's like a totally different yeah, kind and, of grit. And I think, I think going to the right studios definitely helps too. Oh, yeah. Cause I mean, I, I, for our self-titled album, I feel like that producer helped me find my voice uh-huh. um, in comparison to the previous one where he was like, not, he didn't really know anything about our genre. And like, I, I just knew that this, I don't know. I had a bad feeling for that, for that album, the, you know, from the start, but it's like, I don't really work contractually obligated to like do what they tell us to, you know, in, yeah. in a sense, like, uh, you know, so, and so you, and they were you, like, well, we're not going to pay for anything else. So it's mm-hmm. like, all right, well, and so you trace it back kind of to, to that. T- and what year was that? Oh man, I don't no. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. It all blends together. I think, really I think it was 2013 ish. Uh huh. And so that, um, that was kind it, of right around your time to really be breaking, especially if you were doing yeah. like scream the prayer, um, and so it just, it really does suck. Labels can really put bands in bad positions just by being uh, too too demanding in, in that sense. And I really think all labels should remove all time constraints uh, whenever it comes yeah. to stuff. It's, you got to give the artist the chance. I mean, the amount of revisions, because I, I mixed and mastered this whole last record myself too. So I wrote, mixed, and mastered everything. Yeah. And I, I think it took me two and a half years. And I was working yeah. on it pretty consistently. So to to think, hey, you have a month, I'd be like, um, see ya. Like I don't know what I would yeah. do. I'd be like, that's not an option. And yeah. it uh I but think we did the best that we could with the, the shit sandwich that we were given, you know, but like And yeah, so I mean, did like, you did you have a snowball effect from Tragic Hero letting you go? Like did you lose a manager from that or a booking agent or so we did, uh, we did lose our manager right before all of that. Um, so, I mean, it wasn't, he didn't leave because of that, but he, he left, I don't, I don't, he, I, he had like family stuff that he just wanted to like get back to instead of like, he dropped all his bands, uh, he, like his management's not even a thing anymore, but, yeah. um, Mishko picked us up like right after, okay. um, neutral ground. And he was like, I believe in you guys. Like, I know that like you guys are capable of great things and like has stuck with us ever since that, that even during all that, like shitstorm of the third album. And, uh, <laughs> you know, 
like Mishka is definitely family at this point. Like, yeah, he, definitely. It, it, you know, so. Um, What's well, good? Yeah, it's hard to I, find. I definitely. Oh yeah, it's definitely hard to find like a a trustworthy manager. Uh huh. And one that is understanding, right. like um, like my manager. I've been with him now for it's probably pushing seven years, six seven years. And there's yeah. some tours even even when you are you know you could be on your best tour you've ever done and you could come home and not have any money. Like it's just yeah you, you kind of expect it, and it's you definitely got to find people in the industry that are willing to work with you. Like my manager says, if you don't if you don't come home with money, then I'm not getting money and that's how it should yeah. be like uh i think i think really the whole industry needs a, a a new um like standard contract i think managers should work off of instead of 15 percent of all money they should make like 15 percent of profit and yeah. or even like 20 percent of profit something to where there's got to be profit there for them to be able to um, gain any money and that's kind of how my managers worked but kind of more on a handshake rather than a contract and yeah, uh, yeah for sure it's just I mean it's it's hard and even back then so if you guys did scream the prayer and you were you know first or second band on the bill I mean we actually had a I think we were like six we had like a really good spot on that tour oh really there you go. Uh, well, yeah six how many how many bands were on the freaking thing it was a long show. I think there was like twelve bands. Jesus, it was almost—it was like a festival. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I think we. Uh, we never got offered Scream the Prayer, but it was I was always fans of all of the the Christian bands. Impending Doom, probably the most influential band to me. Um, and then I loved For Today. I was all about For Today, hundred percent. Yeah. Who was headlining the Scream the Prayer that you did? Uh, Impending Doom. Yeah. So I just I saw I found the flyer. So it's nine bands, and we were fourth on the on the package. That's not bad. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it was it was definitely like it was like a good spot every you know like because we got it we got to play right when people were like starting to get hype. Yeah, and the thing is like so even being four of nine on a package like that or it's uh. I don't know what you guys were getting paid, but it wouldn't be obscure for it to be like two hundred two fifty a night. Or something like that. Yeah, that that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like at $200 a night, and plus with nine bands, you're competing with nine bands for merch. So you're probably making like yep. hopefully $500, you know, maybe a crazy night, make a grand. Um, it's like, it's really rough that you would see this band, oh, they're halfway on the package. Their logo is really big and it's a big tour. There's, you know, 500 to 1,000 people here every night, but they're getting paid 200 bucks. People don't expect that. And it's hard to, yeah. if you're in a diesel freaking bus getting eight miles a gallon, maybe 10, it's. Oh no, back, back then we were in the 15 passenger, but like. Still. I mean, it was, it's still not much better than the bus. Yes. Whenever you know? I, whenever I'd run budgets for tours, I run about $150 a day in gas is what I expect. Yeah. And so it's like it's so difficult to, to operate. And that's why I think the industry, especially for smaller, like, or not necessarily smaller, but up and coming bands, you yeah. got to give those bands more of their profit rather than taking money straight off the top. And the whole industry needs that. It's the same the freaking thing with booking agents. Now booking agents, I can yeah. kind of back it because they're the ones getting you that guarantee, but still it's to, yeah. I mean, how many like from Scream the Prayer? Did did you real? Can you remember if you came back with any amount of money from it? 
I can't remember exactly because that's that. Like I said, we went from that tour straight into the studio. So yeah. like, I think whatever profit we had, we had to use for like studio like budget. Food yeah. And <laughs> like, you know, just to like survive the, like the month that we were there basically. So, right. Yeah. See, so, I mean, essentially no, you didn't come <laughs> yeah. back with any yeah, money. Essentially, it just went straight to like, just keeping us afloat while we were, in the studio exactly and we had to do a bunch of crap like that too back in the day like if we had a european tour coming up i had to do like two headlining tours before just to pay for the flights and so all the yeah. money would go to that you know it's just yeah I, I don't know it's from my experience i just think that it, it doesn't work for now for me and you like we've we've still lasted it through it but it definitely could have been a lot better and maybe some other band members could have stuck through if if there was more pro profit oriented band stuff yeah definitely and so yeah, yeah and um so after the um crap show album as you called it uh, yep. <laughs> did you um what did you did you guys get any tours after that that really kind of picked you back up or got you moving towards the um the future or was it more so try to find a new label that you could actually work with I, yeah i think after that like we didn't really get um we didn't really get like any big offers for tours or anything like that um so i think after we kind of like realized like all right we're not going to be able to do anything with this album. Like we need to like get in the studio immediately and start getting out new stuff. So people can kind of, cause you can't tell a listener, like this is what went wrong. Like there, right. nobody, you can't, you can't reach everyone and tell every single person that was like, this band used to be so good. What happened? You know, you can't reach all people. So like, and tell them like, Hey, it was bad production from a bad studio from a bad label that put us in a bad situation. Right. So we just had to like get back on it and write new stuff. And, uh, so we, we wrote, um, Exodus at the time uh, and we used that single to pitch to other labels and to show them like, Hey, it's not necessarily that we were, you know, we were on a downslope. It was more like we were putting a bad, like, you know, this is what we're capable of. Right. And so, uh, I think after that we were picked up by um in vogue records and they um uh, you know we were able to put out a better quality uh c d and we did get a few better tours after that situation yeah. and so uh, that's interesting i i remember i obviously know tragic hero and i also very familiar with in vogue um but i'm i haven't been involved in a working manner with any of the uh you know I, I hate to say smaller labels but yeah you know no, yeah i i haven't been i haven't been involved in the working order of that and so when you're um working with a label like in vogue it's a very very much so they're working with a lot of up-and-coming bands um and a, a lot of bands that um just need that little bit of help and so with going to in vogue was there like substantial uh, um, advances to pay for recordings and everything? Were you guys getting like ten or fifteen k or something? No, I I don't. I sh I need to start remembering this stuff because I know it's like pretty important. But I don't uh, remember to. I don't remember. It wasn't a big budget. I know it wasn't a big budget, but also uh, Invoke had a studio and they're yeah. like. Uh, 
if you go to this studio, we'll do the whole album, like, and you know, we'll do the whole ten songs that you guys want to yeah. do. And, and the, but this time we did our homework. We're like, let's make sure this bit, this you know, studio actually does our genre right. and uh, you know can give us a better product than the last label that was like, go to our studio. Right. And Invoke um, had more bands kind of relative to the sound. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and so, uh, and, uh, we, so we were recorded with, uh, Nick Ingram and he's done like, he, uh, he's done like Hawthorne Heights, their newest stuff. Yeah. Um, he, he recorded convictions. Um, He's done the, his most recent one was uh, he helped produce or he helped work. I don't know exactly what his part in Beartooth, uh, but he helped record them. And I saw like his like Instagram and he's like posting videos of like Caleb yeah. in the studio and stuff like that. So I don't know if he was like producer or just engineer or what, but he's like his studio is sick and he's such a like cool dude to work with. Yeah. Like, he's the one that like helped me like find my voice yeah, and what I, I'm doing now. I've so. heard his name before. I forget exactly in what realm, but I know I've heard his name and, and that is, yeah. that's what I've always thought was the best setup for a smaller label like that. Um, to basically have a studio or a producer that they have on lock that they send all their bands to. And so for them, it's cheap enough because they have a deal and for yeah. the artists, they don't have to front much money or anything for it. Maybe just their expenses while there and whatnot. But, yeah. um, so I, that is a good setup. I totally think that that's a fair setup. If the label's mm -hmm. like, basically the goal is, Hey band, you don't have to front money for your recordings. We got you taken care of no yeah. matter if it's with their producer or with money involved. Cause I just, I know that there's not, you know, big, like big, big budgets and labels like that. And so did you have a yeah. good experience, um, with working with in Vogue, uh, just as far as the press and all that kind of stuff, or was they pretty they much were, getting you in the studio? They were okay. I don't want to say that they were bad. Cause I mean, they, they weren't terrible to us. Like they definitely, he, tra he treated us better than like, I've like, like other stories that I've heard. Um, I think one thing that they were lacking with was the, their marketing. Yeah. Um, I feel like if they marketed a little bit better, the album would have done a little bit better, which I don't, I don't like blaming other people for like, like why things didn't work for us. Like if something didn't work, like I, I always think like, what could I have done more to uh, make it a better situation? But like at the same time, it's like I can only do so much. Like I'm not a marketing genius, you know. Like I'm not. <laughs> like I feel like I feel like if uh, you know there was a you know a book on like exact. I'm sure there's a book on how to market. <laughs> but like I don't know that stuff. Like I'm a graphic right. designer. I do. I also do acting, but I also do whatever you know like but yeah. that's not my forte and like right. it's it's not like every band knows exactly how to like be every piece of the puzzle you know yeah like, i think there's a lot that goes into like making a successful band and if like nobody knows that your album's out like it's not gonna do well and so like if in it on top of that it's like it, it, it's your label like the bands on your label you want them to be successful because then in the long term you'll be successful and so, like, I didn't see them pushing our album as as much as, like, I would have liked. Um, they wanted us to tour more. And I feel like at the time, we didn't have the members that just, like, were willing to, like, 
get out on the road and just like do it uh because when we did seeing clearly it was which was our most it was our first album but it was the most successful we went out and we toured consecutively like we like were gone months at a time and that was like you know and i feel like there's no better way to make an album successful than to yeah. like get it out in front of people. Well, so and uh it's it's interesting to me whenever labels are like so pushy about going on tour cuz really a, a label has nothing to do with tours besides the fact yeah. you sell CDs at, on tour, right? And so yeah. whenever a label is like, "Hey, you need to be on tour when the album comes out." To me, that's me and or they're like pushing, "Hey, you need a tour, you need a tour." To me, it's just like you're trying to get away with free marketing here because yeah. <laughs> like I'm going to market it on the tour, which means that you don't yeah. have to put money into Facebook ads or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and I think also it was, a, it was in that, it was, it's like a weird transition time too, where like nobody's buying CDs, like everything's yeah. changing over to streaming. Like it's different now. Like it's different than it was like when we first started, like when it first Definitely. started, people did buy CDs because there wasn't Spotify, you know, like it, I don't know. It, and then it, the, the way to dis- distribute your music and the way to get it out there is like forever changing. I think. Like, yeah, I don't think that's that's another of my big things about uh, the current setup in the industry does not work, um, and the streaming is a huge aspect of that because. Yeah, I mean, even think back, like if if we did a big tour, like say we were on tour with Fear Factory, right? And I remember because mm-hmm. we were on tour with Fear Factory right when we did drop an album. And uh, we were selling like 60 CDs a night, right? Yeah. And like a bad night was like 25 CDs. I'll freaking do a whole tour right now headlining and maybe sell 100 CDs in a month. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't so everyone happen. Has an, everyone streams it now. So it's like, yeah. We, we definitely don't spend a lot of money on printing CDs for no, tours. I won't even buy them anymore I'd, uh, yeah. because the labels charge too much now um, because yeah. since there's way less sales, the distributors charge more so they can make their money than the label up charges it. And then yeah. I can barely turn a profit on selling a CD. So like the past two yeah. albums, I haven't even taken them out. I'm just like whatever and it sucks because it's just turned into like this collector's item and whereas it used to be a lot it's weird that like the vinyls and cassette tapes are selling more than cds <laughs> right yeah that's that's true uh, on this newest browning record we've sold more vinyls than cds because they're like well if i'm gonna collect something just for that might as well get a yeah. freaking vinyl and yeah. um so you um with in vogue it was i, I mean i can understand um Again, there's just no, there's no money in a small label like that. It's, I've even recently been considering if I wanted to do a label or get more into management side of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I, I just don't see any way in the modern world to really the, to, to feasibly start a small label. It just doesn't make sense. Um, yeah. And so, um, with the in Vogue release, um, and that was coming right off of your, um, your one album the moving from in vogue was it just a one album situation within vogue yeah, it was, yeah we just did a we it was one album with the option and uh we ended up not getting the the second uh, See, album with them yeah and that's a problem um, too that's like with those small labels um uh you can't really do much with only one album or like even yeah. one plus an option like even from a band perspective like if you're negotiating a deal 
um, I feel like you have to say, no, we need two because I need to know that you're going to invest enough in the first one to have to do a second one. Yeah. (laughs) Like that makes a lot of sense actually. Yeah. So like you need to market this one. So the success second one is also successful. So like realistically, like a three album deal should be like close to, you know, two plus then options or three, because then they really mm-hmm. have to invest because they're stuck with you for a yeah, while. Then they, <laughs> then they want to make sure they get their money back for that second one. Yeah, exactly. And so or more, you know, and, and more. Yeah. And so it's, it's tough because uh, uh, a one album deal just, it doesn't have given any leverage to the band uh, yeah. in the sense of like, you guys have to do it, you know? And yeah. uh, so, yeah, it was one off within Vogue. And then um, at that point, because you guys are still right now very solid uh, monthly listeners on Spotify, good online base yeah. with everything. And so transitioning from those those two albums and going into the modern world, um, like what has been your build into the into the modern world of the, how music is now? Did you sign it another with another label? Um, we signed with uh, one RPM. Um, we, which is like, I, I still don't fully understand what they are as a company or as a label, but like, um, at this point for me, it's like, who's going to front us for these albums and stuff like that. And who's going to get us the best deal. And the deal with them really isn't bad. And, uh, they're a distribution company. So like the money isn't actually theirs. It's our money. It's just fronted to us. Um, you know, for the stream revenues that we're going to get from the music that we release. So it was really cool because, I mean, we we technically have ownership of the albums. Like, they don't actually own our our music. We own it and can do whatever we want with it. Um, And it's it's worked out really well for us, actually. Um, And they do have a marketing team that um, has been very helpful with, like, getting us on, uh, like... The playlists um, and stuff playlists and yeah so i mean like it's definitely helped uh drive our numbers up a little bit with listeners and all that yeah and i mean in the modern world a deal like that um it's almost just like a straight up publishing deal so essentially you own your music you can sell the licenses you can do all this but these people are collecting on your publishing and on your streams and they're sending you or recouping off of what they fronted for it so it's like it's like a publishing deal and that yeah. that's really nice because dude i can't freaking stand it if i if i want to upload a youtube video of me doing a guitar playthrough of the brownings music freaking yeah. umg blocks it like i can't even <laughs> upload a youtube video of me playing my own song yeah <laughs> and so because someone else owns it and so I, a deal like what you guys are in uh, for people that are in bands trying to do stuff in the modern world, a publishing deal is a really good option rather than giving your rights away because the thing is there's so many revenue outlets for the rights of your music with yep. YouTubers, with Twitch streamers, with little placements. If you own your music 100%, you can do so much stuff with it rather than just uh, you know getting blocked by Universal for your own music. Yeah. <laughs> And so that's that's cool that you guys worked out that deal. And so you're still currently in that deal right now. Yeah. Um, yep. We're in the we're in like this. I guess like the second part of it okay. now. Like we're kind of working towards uh, you know the new music parts. Because I mean we we did our first. Uh, well, they gave us I guess like a number of songs to do for the first one. Okay. 
And so now we're like working towards the next part of it, I guess. Yeah, that and makes sense. Yeah, and like, stuff we like that. More, we gotta write more music, obviously, and mm-hmm. that was always the plan, anyways. So yeah, um, and see, a deal yeah. like this works well too, because in a record deal, it's like X amount of albums, and it's like it actually stops me from writing more because they're like, okay, the album has to be a minimum of you know twelve songs. But if yeah. it's any more than that, we're not paying extra. And so I'm like, well, then I'm only going to give you 12 songs. Whereas, yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to give you more for less yeah. money. Whereas for the, like a deal you're in, it's, it's especially in the modern world, because things are much more about singles to get on playlists mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And um, so it, it makes sense to do a publishing deal per song or per X amount of songs. It makes a lot of sense. And um, I saw you guys did a cover. Have you had success with that cover? Uh, I mean, yeah, we've done we've done a few covers yeah. um, throughout the years, and they, I mean, they're pretty consistent on uh, plays and stuff like that. So, I mean, I think it's about time we do another one. I don't know what we're gonna do yet, but I definitely think it's. Well, it, we've definitely talked about like uh, getting another cover out there. Yeah, and so do you because I've always avoided covers. There's, there's one specific type of cover album I want to do, but I like, I'm very specific about it. And so from your perspective of being a band that's done a good amount of covers, have you had any negative side to doing the covers or do you think it's fully positive? Yeah. I I don't think there's been anything negative, honestly. Uh, Like we, we did our first one was Katy Perry. Uh, actually, the first two were Katy Perry. Um, yeah, I mean, they've like everyone always still they still ask for the the first Katy Perry cover, and we did that. I think before our first album even. So like pe- the fact that people still want to listen to it is wild to me. That doesn't annoy you. No, I mean like the thing is, it's still like it's all the music that we've written. You know, in the past, like whether they want the new stuff or old stuff, like it's all music that we've written. Right. So I definitely appreciate all that. Like I, I know for, you know, and you probably are like this too. Like you probably have those songs that you have played it since the beginning. Yeah. And you're just sick of them. (laughs) Yeah. But like, you know, not everybody has gotten to see it live, you know? And so Uh the, you know, I definitely understand from a fan perspective, like, you know, I, I'm trying to think of a band that like, oh, for example, Anna Shikari. Anna Shikari is my favorite band of all time. Yeah. I've, I only get to see them every once in a while because they're from the UK. But when I see them, the first song that got me into them, Sorry You're Not a Winner. Yeah. Like, I want to see that live, you know, and like they definitely like they did the right thing and they, uh, you know, changed it up like the way they play it live. Yeah. But it still has like the, you know, it still sounds like the. Uh, original, but it's like you know, as a fan it, it, from a fan side, it's like it's cool that like they like our music even from way back then. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's uh, it is definitely one of those things. Whether it's a, an original or a cover, I'd be sick of playing it by now, anyways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and um, yeah. I mean, I I've just always wanted to do um. See, if I tell you the idea, I, I say the Browning's the best band for this idea, but you guys could actually pull it off too, so I'm not going to tell you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Because it, it involves a lot of synthesizers and probably yeah. a lot of music that you're also into, so I'm not going to tell you my idea. 
Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so with the, uh, in the modern world with the synths, are you, are you still doing, cause I've listened to the new stuff and it sounds really mm-hmm. good, very modern. Um, but are you feeling like the synths are getting old? I don't think that they're getting old. I, I think, I honestly think people want more of it. Um, it just needs to be done right. Right. Yeah. And I didn't have as much time uh, with the last two um, EPs to write like good like synth breakdowns because like I mean I see it all the time like more synth breakdowns more synth breakdowns like I know that people want it but it has like it has to be done right for it to make sense to put it into the yeah stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, we're past the point now of the did da did da da did da Yeah. Like you can't just do the trans gate. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, at this point, like how many bands have already started, you know, that have been inspired by, you know, your band, our band, you know, right. I see stars, like all the, all the attack attack, like all of us have, you know, that have like, uh, synth that is like heavy synth, um, you know, has we've all had that, like, you know, the trance breakdowns, and so it's like we got we got to do something different with it if we're gonna pr- bring it back exactly. and you know, keep it fresh, yeah. And I, I still enjoy the sound, so it's like I definitely want it, I just want it done tastefully, right? And I just it's it's hard, it's I do notice that pretty much every band that was like a mainstay synth band has pretty much cut it or at least gone very background i think the only bands that are like bigger bands that are still doing it full on would be like motionless and white and even their stuff a lot of times it's still backing off of it quite a bit but Mm -hmm. they'll have some that are still very synth heavy but pretty much any of the mainstay bands have stopped doing it as a as like a heavy metal synth band and so i'm curious if in the modern world you would think that in the modern world, more electronics would be welcomed, but I think that you're right. It, it can't really be trance sense. It can't be those big standard, like, you know, uh, leads. I think it has to be done in a yeah. more creative, interesting way. And so yeah. moving forward, like, do you think you're going to outsource synth stuff? Or you said you picked up some, some software and uh, stuff to be able to do it more yourself. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm in the process. Like I got, I mean, I've, I have a MIDI synth and, um, I have a few plugins that I really, really like the sounds that are in it. And so like, I just, so when we lost our keyboard player, it was almost like we had this void. Like we have a sound, like our sound, like we always have had keyboard or synth or something in there. So like we, and it's not that it's not in the new stuff. It's just not as like prominent. Yeah. And I feel like it's, in each album, there's always been like a little, like some songs where the synth is like taking the lead in for, you know, the song. And there wasn't any songs that I can like remember that had just like that synth part that I was like, that is the sickest synth I've ever heard in any song ever. Right. And, and I want to bring that back. Like I, there's a lot of like synth breakdowns and stuff that I wrote in the first album that I was like, I want to do stuff like that again, but I just want to, I don't know. I just want to do it right. I don't want to just do it because people 
want us to do it. I want to do it because it sounds amazing with whatever song we're working yeah. on. Yeah, and I mean, I've, I've especially with this new Browning album, I kind of did. Um, I thought about that a lot because, you know, as much as it sucks, but it, or is awesome, uh, but goes both ways. If people are like, "Yo, Burn This World" was the best album ever, and you know that's twelve years yeah. ago, and I'm just like, dude, like. I'm working really hard here, you know, yeah. <laughs> like give me a break. But I do like try to contemplate of like, why is it that people keep saying that? Why is it that people mm-hmm. do that? And, you know, what I do they like about it so much. Yeah. It was like, got to recapture and, it somehow, you know? Yeah. And so that, that was a big focus on this last album of like, I started realizing like with the Browning, it was pretty much all the fast, heavy stuff that people was very attached to. And, I used to not do any clean singing in the Browning for the first like three records and uh, started doing a little bit more, but it really was all the songs and style. Everyone wanted this fast, heavy, you know, fast synthesizers, this, you know, all this crazy stuff. And so I was like, okay, I need to capture that in the modern world and try to bring back that, that essence. And I think that even not only just with like our bands specifically, but just that time period had something special about it. Uh, that was just yeah for sure i mean like at least in our our area like you know in our town like there was there wasn't any bands that were doing what we were doing it's so weird because like when attack attack came out we were doing stuff that they were doing at the same time but they just so happened to come out first and Uh have like a good label behind them and stuff like that but um and because of that everyone was like man you guys are just copying attack (laughs) right I, I I started the band with a synth in the band. It wasn't like I, you know, started doing synth after the fact Attack Attack came out, you know? Right. But, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 because there wasn't... It was weird because the bands around here, like, they didn't have synth. They almost, like... I don't know. I felt like the bands around us didn't like us very much. And I don't know if it was because we kept doing stuff like that or... Or what it was, but like the fans love that shit. So yeah, and I mean, I, I think that you you might have had a similar situation to the Browning. Um, whenever we started out, um, like you said, a lot of you get a lot of fans whenever you're doing uh, certain stuff like this. But I felt the people in the local scene in Kansas City were like got pretty freaking butt hurt that the that we were picking up momentum, and so yeah. it was like. Oh, the Browning's just playing breakdowns and synths, and look, they have all these fans, and they're going on tour. And like, why? <laughs> why isn't our band that's been a local band for ten years not going on tour? And I don't know. I think that the synths not only are just synths. I think it gives like just an extra layer that makes the music a little bit more dynamic. Especially back yeah. then, it was not that it was new, but it was at least fresh uh, compared to a lot of the stuff that was going on. And so whenever you guys started touring, whenever you started doing this, uh, this more like uh, as a, you know, pro band, um, did you experience like kind of a detach from your local scene where your local scene actually started like hating you? (laughs) Yeah, actually. (laughs) Funny you say that. Yeah, there's a, there's a venue around here that, they still kind of have like shows every once in a while. They're not like massive shows or anything, but apparently there's a rule that EDIU can't play there. <laughs> it's one of it's one of the like top ten rules that they have there. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, okay, I don't know, I don't know what we did to you guys to not want us to play because like we've never played at this place. Uh, I was about to say, did you play there like thirty we times? Never, we've never played at this place. 
but the one of the rules is that EDIU cannot play there. Gotcha. Maybe, yeah, and just I'm no just synthesizers. Like, oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, so we just, uh, I mean, we've, like, at, at a certain point, we started putting on the shows ourselves, like, at, you know, wherever we could find yeah. that would allow us to, you know, throw concerts. And so, um, yeah, and just that certain, at some point, people were just like, I don't know. They, they, at least it seemed like it was like more the bands, the local bands. Yeah. Uh, we're not liking us as much as they did when we first, like we're first starting, like they started hating us a little bit, but, um, I mean, it is what it is. It, you know, we weren't really like trying to start any like beef or anything with anyone. Right. We we're just doing our thing and it just happens, you know? Well, I, th- I think, I just think a lot of, a lot of these dudes, they, I mean, it takes a big sacrifice to be able to actually go out and tour and be a, be a, a successful band in that sense. And it's a big leap of faith you have to take. And the majority of people aren't uh, willing or capable to do so. And so mm-hmm. when they see you doing it, they're just like, you know, why do they get to do that? And it's just, I don't yeah. know. I think it's, I think it's super toxic. And uh, I experienced yeah, that in the I local mean, scene. I, I uh, I made a, a point to whenever um, new bands were starting around here to like talk to them and like let them know like we're not dickheads, obviously, but like also like try to support them in any ways that I can, you know, like I mean, I can only do so much, you know, to help other bands, but like I tried to like, you know, if they needed, you know, a show like you guys can open for us at our, you know, when we throw the concert or whatever or like. You know, you guys need tips on how to like upgrade your equipment or do whatever. Like, I always yeah. try to like help them out, you know, in any ways that I could to just show like I'm not competing with you guys. Like, I'm not in competition with you guys. It's not, and it's not to say that I'm like, I don't want to say, make it sound like I think I'm better than them. So, like, I'm not competing with them, but it's like I'm not doing music to compete with other bands. Yeah. I'm just doing music because I love, I love to write music and I love to perform music, you know. Right. Yeah. That's all it is for me, and it's never been about like, what are we gonna do to outshine this band, or what exactly. are we gonna do to outshine that band? You know? Yeah, you're just focused on yourself, and really, that's that's the only way to progress. Like, uh, yeah. better yourself, not try to like compete with others. And I had a thing too, because uh, I also like I really liked helping out people because it also just gave me more experience. And um, I had a situation where uh, this band from uh, from Kansas City. I was talking to them and their drummer said, oh, uh, you know, they kicked me out because I couldn't afford my part of the of the recording for the for the studio. And I'm like, you literally got kicked out of the band for money issues. So I, I hit up the main dude in the band and I was like, yo, I will record you guys completely for free. I'll do your artwork. I'll get it all sorted so that you guys can spend your money on, um, you know, getting some merch and doing all that kind of stuff. And because obviously they were struggling for money because they kicked the dude out yeah. for money yeah they're like we need people that have money in the bank yeah and so i was like good me, luck with that yeah i was like let me do it for <laughs> you uh, i'll do the whole album completely for free and all this kind of stuff and uh just completely ghosted didn't even respond to me and i'm just like dang and like maybe it wasn't about money then yeah maybe it wasn't (laughs) probably not (laughs) 
but I, I always try to help people out and try to go yeah. out of my way because especially starting out, like if, if anyone listened to this, if you're in a, in a local band, it's not only good for your local scene, you want other successful bands in the scene. Uh, you want mm-hmm. other bands to succeed and you, if you can help someone with something, it's also just making you that much better to be able to give them something and be able to work more on their stuff. Like if you want to get better at mixing, might as well mix another band as well. And then whenever you mix your band next, you'll be even better. And so I think it is important to help, help other bands in the scene. But yeah, our first shows in Kansas city that we were doing, we were booking at a church just like everyone else back in those days. And that's where we were doing it. (laughs) Exactly. And so we, we were doing like our first show in, in the Kansas city area. We had like 500 people. The next one after that was like 600. And then once we started touring, dude, it just, it went down to like a hundred. It was like, just like any other normal city at that time. Yeah. And so just it, for some reason, I think when it very first started, people were like, Oh, this is a cool local band. Then when you start touring, they're like, Oh, the Brownings, uh, you know, whatever. They're sold sold out. out. Exactly. Sold out. (laughs) They're signed now. Who cares? And so (laughs) it just kind of lost that local support. Now, now Kansas city is, you know, we are way better markets are, you know, Texas and, you know, Colorado. So it's funny because I feel like a lot of bands end up being bigger outside of their hometowns than, you know, yeah. I wonder where that is. is is. It's funny because we're Utah almost feels like hometown whenever we play Utah because they love our band name so much. <laughs> I had to keep the, during the whole start of this conversation when you're talking, I kept picturing Utah in my head. I'm like, stop. That's not where it is. <laughs> nope, nope. Yeah. And so. It's like Texas in July. They're not from Texas. Right. <laughs> and so going um, forward, you guys just played uh, your first show back from the, the COVID hiatus like everybody yeah. had. So how did it feel two years without a show going back to it? Oh, man. It was like, I, I can't even explain the feeling of, like, I I started getting the, I don't want to say it was depression, um, but it was similar. Like, I was kind of blah. Like, I didn't have, like, yeah. like it's just like I had this weird feeling and, like, I was missing something. And it's because for me... I'm a performer. I need to, it's not even just like, so for me, like it's never been just about the music. I love the performance of everything. Like, like I wanted to do acting before I did music. So I'm, I did theater all through high school. I've done local productions. Um, and so like I, when I started the band and I was like, Oh, this is pretty much what I need. Like I just need to get in front of people and perform. And to like not do it for two years is like the worst (laughs) feeling in the world. Like that was the worst. Like I was trying to figure out new things that I can do to like make up for it. But like, so, so I, I was going to do a standup. I was going to go do, um, uh, you know, open mics at uh, our uh, comedy club, but I kept getting like, I couldn't like sit down to like, uh, write the material out yeah enough to like go and do it but like that's still in my back pocket i still want to do that maybe eventually but like <laughs> i got I, someone i, I can put you in touch with uh, for that uh, my old drummer my old drummer he's nice. running a bunch of comedy shows in in dallas now and so he's doing yeah. doing it all up and that's sick yeah i mean yeah, i just need to sit down and write the material but like yeah like to 
like and then, and then we started like uh you know writing the eps and i got i kind of lost focus on that and i was like all right this is cool i love writing this music but i need to perform it to for you know to anyone and so um we did do one live stream over the pandemic but it wasn't the same like, yeah it, definitely it feel the same at all and so um although like we were playing in front of like maybe like 20 people that were there uh you know because it was at the it was at our local community theater it just didn't feel the same because they were like super far away <laughs> in the in this audience you know and so uh yeah the when we perf- this the show was like packed out it was a, it was some bar in longview and uh they were so hype and like the energy was so perfect and like i i definitely need to get back on my cardio game because uh, yeah, i was halfway through the set i was already like dying but um overall man it just was such a great feeling to perform were you nervous i i was surprisingly super nervous i yeah. never had gotten nervous before like, i kind of feel like i'm gonna years, be yeah like it's weird like i never i don't remember a time that i was like actually nervous to perform but i was nervous all night like as soon as the the band before us finished playing like my heart started beating so fast yeah i, uh, I walked to the back and i was like trying to like shake it off it was funny they uh <laughs> this venue had um like rolling stones and like all kinds of magazines all over the wall and i was like i was in the back and i was looking at all the magazines i was like, looking at all these like artists and musicians and uh i saw taylor swift's picture on one of them and i was like you're right taylor shake it off shake <laughs> it off and like i just started uh i started you know breathing and then like everything was all set up and then like we got going as soon as the first song started going it just like it was like riding a bike like i just got right back into it except you know when you haven't rode a bike for a long time and you get really tired but, like you know about a mile in right yeah that's i think that's my nightmare right now i'm like i need to start working out i need to start running because <laughs> yeah i'm i already moved too much and you know i'm definitely am two and a half years older than the last time i tried doing it yep. so <laughs> it's yeah. uh it's I I feel like I'm going to be nervous too. I mean I'm I'm even nervous just like the fact that we're booking dates right now. I'm like wait yeah I'm going to have to do that. <laughs> like yeah. I'm excited. It's, it's going to be fun and yeah. I know what it will be, but I'm kind of nervous about it for whatever reason. It was weird because I even missed like the load ups and and loadouts. Right? Like I was like man I missed this. Like as I'm lifting like the heaviest thing in the world, and I'm like. <laughs> dying all right right. let's do that again yeah and so um and so was this the first show with all of your new members in the band yeah this was actually all their first show with us um so it was pretty big show for them pretty big show for us um as a band like you know it it was it was pretty awesome it was yeah i'm sure it'd be it's gonna be a little surreal going back into it after this and i oh yeah i even said like me and my wife we've been together for four years but Mm -hmm. um like the majority of it's been throughout this COVID thing and uh even leading up into it i was i was kind of chilling on touring a little bit because we were getting married and all this stuff and so yeah i'm like her family has never seen me in full-on tour mode or band mode or anything and i'm like you know they're like oh you're going back out on tour that's cool i I didn't realize you were doing that again or anymore and i'm just like well i've been waiting (laughs) and so it's 
it's one of those things that it almost got brought out of of the my life so hard that thinking about it, it's it's like weird feeling that that's what I've been doing my whole life. And now, you know, now it's time to get back into it. It is a little nerve wracking. Yeah, yeah and, it's going to be weird once we tour again, because uh, me and my wife, we've been together for. I messed this up. I think seven years. <laughs> yeah. Eight years. Yeah. Seven, eight years. We got married last year uh, in May. And so this is like the longest time that we've like spent where there's hasn't been any touring. Yeah. And so like, I, it's it's going to be really strange whenever like I have even we have to have spend time apart. Like, I don't exactly. know what that, that's going to feel like. Yep. And I'm I'm going through that same thought process right now because, you know, yeah. we had we had a baby at the beginning of the pandemic, too. So oh, nice. the the whole two and a half years that we've been here, I've been with them 100 percent of the time. And so yeah. it's we've all kind of got accustomed to that. And so it definitely is adding a whole new element. And I think a lot of bands are going through that right now, though. Um, yeah, because well, you, you put people away for two years and. They're going to, they're going to, life's going to hit yeah. pretty hard, you know, had to have got jobs or had to, they had mm-hmm. kids and all this stuff. And so I was actually just talking to my drummer about it. He was like, I know like five bands that are thinking about breaking up right now. And he was talking about how no one could find support on the tours because all the support bands need too high of guarantees. I'm like, yeah, cause they got to make it worth like leaving everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so do you think that whenever uh, things finally get to being more full time, do you think that you guys are going to try to full time tour or do you think it's going to be more of a every couple times a year or something? Yeah, I think it's I think we are definitely going to be more selective um, just because, like you said, um, it has to be worth it. And if it's not, then what like like especially like, you know, Cause me and my wife are trying to have a baby and you know, like if we're going to pack everything up and leave for weeks or months at a time, like it has to be worth leaving. And, and that's just me. Like that's not, I, I don't even know what the thought process is for everyone else in the, right. you know, like, and I know that, you know, we, everyone in the band has like, you know, things happening and going on in their yeah. life too. So like, and, um, and as far as the worth goes, what what do you put at a higher value worth as in growth for the band or worth as in monetarily? I think just growth. That's for me, at least. Like, obviously, you know, I I can work from tour. Um, yeah. So my money, I'm going to make money regardless of if the tour itself does well. But um, and obviously like that's kind of rare. So like none of the other guys have jobs where they can make money while they're gone. But, um, so like, I think it's a little bit for me, it's, it's growth. I think for everyone else, it's a little bit of both. Right. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing to judge right now. The hardest thing to figure out (laughs) moving forward is, um, all of that. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, moving forward, I think you guys are in a good, um, spot as far as your um, your deal that you have to be able to put out more music more um, selectively rather than being you know forced to by a, a label yeah. <laughs> and so I think that you're you guys are in a pretty good position and like I said you have good numbers online right now uh, so everything yeah. looks really good um, so you guys are just working on some mu- new music playing some shows whenever you can and yeah yeah 
Heck yeah. And so moving forward, are you working on music like right now or what's the, what's the plan? Yeah, I was, I was, yeah, I was literally writing uh, one of the new songs today. Cause we're trying to like, we're trying to pump out like a single every month, basically. That's the way to uh, do it. Up pretty soon. So like, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're just in, in full on write mode slash kind of like hitting a one-off show every once in a while, but we're, we're working like it, we might not be doing massive tours or anything, but like we're definitely working, um, you know, to progress. Well, I think that the the, the COVID uh, situation allowed or showed bands you could be a successful band without having to tour full time. So, yeah, I think you guys are going in the right direction as far as the, the current deal you're in and then just focusing on those few really important shows. So I think you're doing it right. Awesome thing. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. And uh, yeah, we got to get some shows going too, because our bands are way too similar to have been 12 years to not not have done something. Have we not crossed paths at least once? It's crazy. And so, yeah, I appreciate you talking to me. I mean, our situation is very similar. Our growth uh, early on and even dealing with the crap label situations where we've had a very similar thing. And um, it's nice to hear that. You know, to not feel like you're the only one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's validating. Right. You're like, hey, we're doing it. Like, All right. <laughs> we're doing it together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, Danny, I appreciate you talking to me and uh, I'll be hitting up your DMs here soon about a few different things. So I appreciate awesome. you, man. Thank you. Yep, and uh, everyone uh, that everyone dies in Utah, go check out all their Spotify, all their Facebook, all the good stuff, and um, yeah, be looking for that new music. Yeah, sweet. I, I'll talk to you later, dude. All right, talk to you later. Peace.